Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Pastor Jonathan Goings, one of our elders, is going to bring the word this morning. John. Well, good morning, LifePoint. It is a privilege and a joy to be with you this morning. And as Pastor Lane said just a moment ago, we do pray that this morning is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. I want to begin our time this morning asking a question. What is your cause for hope? Or what do you put your hope in? Today, we're going to be talking about hope. We're going to be looking at a contrast between a living hope that 1 Peter talks about and a vain hope. What are the differences between those two? Now, Peter doesn't address a vain hope, but it's only appropriate as we read what the the Apostle Peter has written down for us to consider both in our sermon and time today. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open that bad boy up, turn to 1 Peter, we'll be in chapter 1, and we're going to start uh, in verse 3, and we'll go through verse 9. And as you are finding that in your Bibles, um, I do hope you all had some good time this last week, just some downtime, celebrating the holiday, remembering the joy that has come to us in Christ our Lord. Uh, This year, I did something a little different. Now, typically, our family, when we start preparing for Christmas, which can begin June, July, October, we like Christmas, Uh, we start pulling out the the decorations, the ornaments, and we start watching the Christmas movies. We start watching the, the elves and the whatever, you know the Christmas movies. It's a Wonderful Life, great movie. Um... But this year, I was watching the Muppets version of A Christmas Carol. And at the end of the movie, the character Gonzo turns to the camera and says, hey, go read the book. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try that. So this year, I actually turned the TV off, picked up a book, and read it. It was great. Um, The story is awesome. If you have not read that, that story of Ebenezer Scrooge, It is a beautiful story of repentance in the heart of a cold, dead miser. Um, But I bring it up because as I was preparing, and I I did not intend this, as I was preparing the sermon and reading through the book, two things stood out to me in the characters of Marley and Tiny Tim in A Christmas Carol. In these two characters, we see a picture of the hope that we're talking about today. In the character of Marley, if you know how the story begins, it says, Marley was dead to begin with. And there is no better way to describe the life and the current state of Marley. He was dead spiritually. He says that his life never went beyond the halls and the walls of his money-changing hole. That's how he describes his life. And even in death, he is aware of the goodness that he could have participated in and he is unable to enjoy that goodness. And when Scrooge asked him to just speak a word of comfort to me, Marley, he's like, I can't even do that. 
Marley's character is defined by a vain hope. He trusted in his money. He trusted in his influence, his power, and all of that had been stripped away and he was left with nothing. Now, in contrast, there's the character of Tiny Tim. Uh, Tiny Tim, it was his hope that was a living hope in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's even when Scrooge encounters Tiny Tim that you start to see his heart begin to soften and change. In fact, Tiny Tim's greatest hope in the story is that on Christmas Day, people would see him a cripple in church, and it would be pleasing to remind them of the one who heals the lame, who gives sight to the blind. So there is this contrast between these two characters throughout the story, and it it even echoes the parable that Jesus gives in in, uh, Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man dies having put his hope in all his earthly wealth and, and influence, and he is in torment, and he sees the, the poor man who put his hope in God's mercy. And he asks, just for a drink, but he cannot have it. So, anyway, today in our text, Peter describes for us this living hope, and I pray that the word of the Lord would encourage you today that you, uh, whether you find yourself living in hope in Christ or whether you struggle to find hope in a kind of cold and cruel and confusing and, and callous world, or even if you are here today and you have given up hope, I pray that the word of the Lord would be a beacon of light for your life. So let's look at our text. Verse three of First Peter Let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, You believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I do pray this morning that God would bless the reading, the hearing, the obeying of his word. And I pray that as we consider this text this morning, that we would see that God makes us new through his son, Jesus Christ, so that in every circumstance, our hope would flourish in worship. Now, this letter, 1 Peter, was written to a people who had found themselves in exile. They had been scattered to unfamiliar locations, and their circumstances were definitely unknown to them. This was a difficult experience, to say the least. 
And there's even some evidence in Peter's address that they were experiencing persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. The world had discarded them. The world wanted nothing to do with these people who Peter was writing to. And today we hear a beautiful gospel exhortation given to people who were facing the harsh indifference of our world. The world often tempts us to believe that a living hope in Jesus Christ is of no value, that it doesn't serve any purpose for our lives, that, that all of this that we gather to celebrate week in and week out is just an illusion that we've created to kind of deaden our senses to the harsh reality of the world. Some call it an opiate for us. However, today, as we think about God's work and his word, as we think about our living hope for salvation, we're going to consider three unerring realities for a living hope in Jesus Christ. So let's look back at our text in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So our first unerring reality, our reality that never changes, is that our living hope is founded in God's word and work. These verses, they proclaim praise and adoration and remembrance for what God has done for us in salvation. It is God's salvation in Jesus Christ that anchors a hope that is alive and living. So a living hope remembers and celebrates God's word and his work on our behalf through his son, Jesus Christ. Now in contrast, a vain hope would try to convince us that this this deep-seated longing that we all experience, this, this, this understanding we all have that something is off, something needs to be made right, This desire we have to fix ourselves, the vain hope would try to convince us that that cannot be overcome. And to a certain extent, if all you have is a vain hope, that is correct. Because a vain hope, the the thing in which we place our hope in, the object of our hope, is not worthy to bear the weight of glory. What do I mean by that? Well, we were created by a God who is glorious and we were created to give glory to him and only he can sustain our hope because only he is worthy of glory for he is glorious. And that is why a vain hope in anything other than God will always, always lead to deceit to our confusion, to frustration, bitterness, sadness, loneliness, anger, indifference, and ultimately our death. Vain hope is the opposite of what we see in 1 Peter here. Vain hope is perishable. 
Vain hope is defiled. It does fade. Now in verse three here, we see that we are blessed by God because of his mercy. Do you, do you think of yourself as someone in need of mercy? And mercy from what? All of us, all of us need mercy, friends. Mercy from God because of our sin against him. The Bible tells us that if we believe we are without sin or that we have no sin, that we are deceiving ourselves. And Jesus teaches us that sin is what comes out of a person. It's not, it's from within. Because Romans tells us, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all the evil thoughts, theft, murderer, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, sexual immorality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Mark 7 tells us that these are all born in the heart of men. And God's mercy on us unlocks a living hope and gives us new life through his resurrected son, Jesus. Mercy means that what we owe God for our sin, the payment that we uh, owe God because we disobeyed his righteous decree has been satisfied and forgiven because of Jesus, because of his life, because of his death and payment on our behalf. And because of his resurrection, this is how God deals with sin, by sending his son, Jesus. He addresses the natural inclinations of our soul, our, those inclinations to live in rebellion to a holy God. He sees us in our disobedience and hostility towards him. And in love, he offered his son, Jesus. He died as a payment for our sin and he makes a way for us to be reconciled with God through his resurrection from the dead. God's mercy is a gift, friends, to be received by faith. There is no effort on our part that can merit God's mercy or even fulfill his righteous requirement. God's mercy is given to us in his kindness, love, and grace. And this living hope springs forth from the very source of life, Christ. John 1, 1 through 5 tells us that Christ is the source of all life. And his resurrection from the dead made possible new life for those who would believe in him. Our living hope is the work of God, accomplished for us through his son Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in new life. Life does not exist outside the sovereign decree and will of God's word. And Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. That's what we just celebrated last Sunday. For you to experience any kind of lasting, eternal, living hope, the Holy Spirit of God brings new life to those who hear and believe the word of God and trust in his son, Jesus. Jesus is the foundation, the, the object of Christian belief and hope for salvation. 
It may be a little uncharacteristic this early in a sermon to offer an invitation, but what are we to do with this news? (laughs) Repent from sin. Believe in Jesus and live every day in thanksgiving, testimony, and praise to God for the gift of salvation. Now, repentance is not just changing our behavior, although that does happen. It's not going from doing good or bad things to doing good things. It is forsaking our own ways of trying to justify ourselves before a holy God. To turn from that and trust that our righteousness is hidden in Christ. He is the just and the justifier of our sin. In salvation, God rescues us from a vain hope and gives us a living hope through new life. We are buried with Jesus, Romans says, and we are raised to walk in a newness of life. If for the first time, this gospel message is speaking to your heart and mind and spirit, I'd trust you to, and I'd invite you to trust the spirit's leading in this. Repent, turn away from your sin, turn away from your vain hope in the, that this world offers, turn away from your striving and struggling and receive God's gift for life by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe that God raised him from the dead and walk in this new life. If you are here this morning and you are walking in a living hope by faith, the call to repent is not a one-time offer. Remember today what God has done for you. Ask him to reveal any sin in your life, to search your hearts and show you where your hope is based in anything other than the good news of Jesus and in repentance turn and grow in the grace of God. How do we grow in the grace of God? We live every day in thanksgiving testimony and praise. Grow in the grace of God through thanking him for his presence with you at all times. Give thanks for his provision in every season of life. Give thanks to him for his strength when you are weak. Give thanks to him for his patience towards you when you are foolish. Give thanks for his kindness in our hard-heartedness. Give thanks to him always for the life-giving salvation that he has offered for our souls. Grow in the grace of God by giving testimony to others, by expressing the love of God through good deeds and works, but also by proclaiming the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. Tell of how his word is true. Grow in the grace of God through praise. Sing his worthiness. Sing in adoration. Sing of the hope that, has brought, that he has brought to a lost and dying world. Praise him with gladness. Praise his name with a hearty, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace of God. Yes, God's word and work saves us and gives us new Life, live in that hope. This is our foundation. Let's continue reading. Verse six, in this you rejoice, 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Unerring reality number two. Our living hope is grounded in our day-to-day experience. How do you all feel about time? Does it move too fast for you? Does it seem to drag on? Do you have enough time? Have you wasted any time? Do you wish you could change time sometimes? Do you wish you had more time? More often than not, if I'm being honest, I think of time in a negative light, something that's being taken away from me. I find it interesting here in our text that our rejoicing, this command to rejoice, is set in the context of time. And what better way to address a people who have faced exile and persecution And to remind them that their living hope is not just for some far off place, some distant future that has no meaning for their life today. We have a living hope for each and every moment that we draw breath on this earth. A vain hope cannot hold that power. It holds no power for today. A vain hope that is grounded in anything other than God promises something that it cannot keep. It cannot save you. It cannot offer you anything now or in the future. Success cannot give you life. Material possession cannot purchase eternity. Influence does not extend your life beyond the grave. Pleasure is only for a moment. A vain hope in a world only leaves us wanting more, and it never finds purpose or meaning for our lives. In our text, we see that the living hope we have impacts the here and now. Living hope grounds our hearts to recognize the nearness of God in our circumstances. God knows that our experience here on earth can be demoralizing as we face trials, the word says. Trials of helplessness, trials of apathy and loss and trials of difficulty or even Trials of of arrogance and, and envy and discontentedness. We all face trials. And there's a temptation here to read our passage as rejoicing in the trials, in the difficulties. But that kind of thinking leads to a vain hope and can become a false gospel. We do not long for persecution and trials to be saved by them. We grieve that sin has wreaked so much havoc in our lives. We do not celebrate suffering. God does not celebrate suffering. Rather, he entered into suffering and endured suffering through the cross to demonstrate his perfect love for us and bring us a living hope. 
But we do recognize that we should expect trials. We acknowledge that life is hard, but only for a little while. Friends, we don't celebrate trials. We celebrate God's promise. Our lives were made for his praise, glory, and honor, and God is working in our lives to redeem us. He is working to conform us into his image. We celebrate the outcome. We celebrate Jesus. Trials serve to remove all that hinders our joy. So when I say that our living hope is grounded in our day-to-day experience, I don't mean to suggest that the good or bad, the easy or hard circumstances determine our hope. I mean to say that God has grounded our hope in him that we may endure through the trials of our day-to-day experience. We rejoice because we know that our trials cannot, do not, and will not have the final victory in our life. What God has accomplished through Christ is finished. We rejoice because God is always with us through the trials. Are you here today struggling for hope? Are you here today faced with circumstances beyond your control, beyond your understanding? Are you struggling to find answers for your life? Are you here today asking why? Why is this happening to me? (coughs) Hear God's word this morning, friends. Jesus is our promise. He is the outcome of our faith. We get Jesus and he is worthy of our entire lives. Yes, even when we struggle to understand, he is with us. Remember what God has said about your life and his word. Your faith in him is more precious than gold. You are valuable to your creator. Trust him. Your trials will come to an end in a little while. It's not an empty promise. That is an eternal promise that never fades. Hope in anything other than God's promise will perish through refining flame. This is a kindness that the Lord shows to us in in how he redefines what we value. So how do we walk in this reality. We live every day praising God for the assurance and the promise of his word and work in our lives. We rejoice. We worship God not based on the season, but because he is God in every season. He is worthy of our adoration. And yes, we do experience trials, but remember, Christ follower, the trial is not the end. It is only for a little while. God has not left you and his salvation matters for your life today and is holding you in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. Take heart, he has overcome the world. Rejoice. (laughs) Your living hope is grounded by faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is guarding your salvation by his power.
Every day is a new opportunity to praise him and remember his kindness and assurance and promise in your life. Finally, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. In a Christmas carol, Ebenezer Scrooge sees the light and he promises to live in the past, the present, and the future. And that's what we've looked at today. God is our foundation for all eternity past. He is with us today and he is our future expectation. Our living hope is compounded by joy for a future glory to be revealed in Jesus Christ. Noticed in our text, there is a point made that Jesus is not seen by these people. Though you have not seen him or though you do not see him. This is interesting. And this is an important encouragement to all of us. There is something about our joy and our hope that transcends our momentary existence. It impacts our daily experience for sure, but our hope wells up and grows into a joy that is inexpressible when the past, present, and future reconciliation becomes more and more apparent in our lives. We rejoice knowing that God raised Jesus from the dead to give us new life. We rejoice because this life is but a moment and our trials do not compare to the eternal glory of God. And we rejoice because there is coming a day. There is coming a day when the faith that we claim will become sight. There is coming a day when we will see him. Our living hope is founded in an eternity past. It grounds our daily life and it is compounded in a future glory by the word and work of God. There is a completeness to God's promise. Jesus is the beginning and the end. The psalmist writes in Psalm 139, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, and I cannot attain it. Nothing out of our life is left outside of God's care. God's word is true. All that we are longing for, all the, the meaning and purpose and contentment and peace will be satisfied for those who put their trust in Jesus. They will obtain the inheritance that is being kept by God's power. We know that our flesh will fail. Our emotions grow weary. Our minds forget. Lamentations 3 talks about that. But... We rejoice in the strong foundation we have in God's mercy through Christ. 
Jesus is the Messiah, and by his power and the spirit working, we rejoice that no amount of suffering we may endure for a little while can rob us of our joy in Christ. We rejoice that all the promises of God will be brought to fulfillment in his son, Jesus, who will be revealed in the last time. God makes us new through his son, Jesus Christ so that in every circumstances our hope would flourish in worship. Worship of God by remembering what he has declared. Worship of God by anchoring our hope in Jesus. Worshiping God by looking forward to a future glory that is to be revealed at his second coming. We will see him. This is God's promise. Jesus says to his followers in John 16, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Do you believe this promise this morning? If yes, live every day in anticipation for God's eternal salvation. We look forward to the day when, our, when there's a full maturity of this salvation and we enjoy God's presence. He will be our God. We will be his people and he will dwell among us for eternity. Let me ask again this morning, what cause do you have for hope? Is it anchored in the living and resurrected Jesus Christ? Take comfort. God will complete the work that he has begun in you. If your hope is waning and you are overcome by daily trials, take comfort. Jesus, his grace is sufficient for you. He is near to you. He is a strong tower and refuge for your soul. He is patient with you and stands ready to receive you. If you are here today and for the first time, you are ready to experience a living hope in the God of all creation. Believe the word of the Lord this morning. Trust in Jesus Christ. Repent from sin against God and confess Jesus as Lord of your life and receive his amazing gift of mercy and grace and live in a new life. Let's pray.